Good to see you. So how's Christmas going for you so far? Tired yet? Kind of stressed out yet? Not enough, not enough stuff? More space on the tree than you have space for? Or you know what? That, yep. Good. If your life's not a mess, you're not living. You can quote me. That's right. <laughs> if life's not a mess, you're not living. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you because you come in the midst of our mess. We praise you for that. And uh, Lord, you are the God who works through all our situations. You're turning them all for our good according to your glorious purpose. This day, Lord, as we gather around your word, the incredible gift of the words of God, words that are living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Lord, our whole lives are laid laid bare before you to whom we must give an account. And you came as a child, a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a feeding trough. Help us to understand what that gift means. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Today we're going to go through a, we're going to do a complicated thing. And we kind of made, made it through the first service. I'm trusting that we'll make it again. So you'll be in pray for, prayer for me, right? Okay. It's, it's a complicated deal we're dealing with this morning. So, the last couple of weeks, uh, Major uh, Phil and Debbie have been in the book of Luke, and I'm changing. I'm actually going to go to the book of Isaiah, but not, not yet. We'll go to book of Matthew to start, and we're going to end up in the book of uh, Isaiah. All right, and um, Greg back there has to do the overheads, and uh, he told me, Major goes really fast. I said, yeah, I know, because we're going to be doing Isaiah chapter 7, chapter 8, Chapter nine. Wow. But if you can't, if you don't, if we don't do that, we don't get the whole point of what's going on here. So, all right. Are you ready? Strapped in? Rockets ready? <laughs> okay. Starting at Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Oh, so different from today, right? Uh, Engagements break like that. No thought sometimes. Back then, if you were engaged, you had a whole year basically to think it out and make all the plans and preparations. And it could only be ended by a divorce. Wow, can you imagine? Be very, very different. Marriage was held by the entire culture in such high esteem. So you can understand what's about to happen to this poor young woman, or what everybody's thinking about this poor young woman as she finds herself pregnant through the Holy Spirit. First of all, who will believe it? And then even her fiancé, her husband, really doesn't believe it. 
And so he's ready to leave her. A mess, right? A mess. Okay. Well, that's where Jesus comes, is into our messes. Sometimes he creates the mess. Yes. So, verse 20, after he'd considered all this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, which means Yahweh, the Lord, saves, because he will save his people from their sins, this Jesus, this son. Now imagine Joseph, visitation from an angel, been told he's going to be raising the Messiah. Wow. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, and that prophet is Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. All right, that's the mess. Now we're going back in time about 700 some odd years. So if you've got your Bibles there, you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 7. And we're going to look about this quotation. So, if you've been around me at all, you know, what are the three most important words in real estate? Somebody tell me. Oh, man, got some, some budding real estate people here. Maybe some really, uh, location, location, location. Okay. So, for understanding a Bible text, were the three most important words? Location, location, location. Context, context, context. Where is it written? It's written in this book, Isaiah. And I'm telling you right now, this enti- when, when the New Testament writers bring us to an Old Testament passage, we have to study that passage. In fact, I have a, uh, a book at home called uh, New Testament, how is it? Old Testament Commentary on New Testament References, something like that. The, the whole point of the book is to take the reader back to the scripture, talk about the entire context of what's going on so that we understand what the New Testament writer really had in mind. Kind of complicated, yeah? A lot of us, if we even go back to look at the passage out of Isaiah, read the few words, say, oh yeah, okay, it's there, and then we pop on. We miss the whole point. And the point here is the entire book of Isaiah is speaking about this man, Jesus. Okay? The entire book. So when we look at three chapters, we're looking at a, just a small segment of an entire book that speaks from beginning to end about the person that we celebrate on Christmas Day. Okay? That's kind of a, an invitation from God to us to really understand that book. Because listen, if you don't really understand it, If you don't really understand that book, you really don't understand who Jesus is. Because the New Testament writers can't quote the entire book of Isaiah for you. They are expecting that you and I will go back and look at those passages and read through them. Right? Wow, silent. You mean I have to read more stuff to read? Yes, you have to read it more stuff. You have to constantly read it. And, and what's interesting, I was telling Judy as I was working through this message, I go, you know, 
I've never seen these things before. Not like this. That should be how it is almost every day for us. I never saw that before. Why? Because it's a living word. So as we're in um, chapter 7, starting at verse 1, let me just tell you, we're in a mess. Because that's where God, God comes to. He comes to us in our messes. So here we are. This man, Isaiah, lived during the, uh, the reign of four important kings. Uzziah, good man, but ended up bad. Jotham, good man, but really not very flamboyant. Ahaz, bad man. Desperately wicked. That's, and that's the man he's going to be speaking to in just a second. And his son, Hezekiah, great man of God. So, chapter 7, verse 1, when King Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, the king of Aram and the king of Israel marched up to fight against Jerusalem. And so what this wicked man did, rather than consulting God, he decided that he would talk to the king of Assyria. Okay? Assyria. Any of you guys remember the book, the prophet named Jonah? Yeah? Most of us remember him. You remember he got swallowed by big fish or a whale, whatever. And the fact is, he was going to a particular city, right? What was the name of that city? Nineveh. And, and remember how Jonah didn't want to go there? And he didn't want God to save those people, right? Why? Because they were so wicked, so bad, he wanted them destroyed. He did not want to be the prophet that brought about restoration for those people. That's the people that King Ahaz is trying to make an allegiance with to overcome the king of Israel uh, because Israel had been divided into two kingdoms, southern kingdom Judah, northern kingdom Israel, and Aram, which is today, uh, uh, is Syria today with its capital in Damascus. He was afraid of Israel and Syria because they'd done some damage to him in the past. So he allies himself with a wicked king. That's a mess. And that is why Isaiah is going to speak to him. Verse 2, when King Ahaz of the house of David heard this, he and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Verse 3, then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out and meet Ahaz and tell him, don't worry about Israel and Aram. Verse 7, it will not happen. It will not take place. Verse 9, the head of Ephraim, that's Israel, another name for Israel, is Samaria. The head of Samaria is only the king of Aram, the king of Syria, okay? Because something much worse is coming for, uh, to, to Judah than Israel and Aram. And you, all this stuff isn't being said, but this is what's going on, and you, Ahaz, have unleashed it. You've made an alliance with this desperately wicked kingdom. You, a desperately wicked man, and now you're going to face it. And then he makes this statement in verse 9. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. All right, you hearing it? Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And guys, that word speaks all the way to us. Amen? If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Things come against us every day, at work, at play, in our world, in our culture. 
Guys, if we do not stand firm in our faith, if we go to the wrong places, we unleash powers against us that make it far worse. We're afraid of this thing, so we make it worse. Amen? It's terrible. Chapter, uh, verse uh, 10, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. He wasn't done. Ask the Lord for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Ahaz, I will give you a sign. I want to help you. I want you to listen to me. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put Yahweh the Lord to the test. Now, the reality is that Ahaz did not want to hear from Yahweh the Lord. Why? Because the thing is, he was going to get rebuked as he's just being rebuked. He didn't want to listen to that. He had his own plans. He doesn't care. He doesn't believe. Verse 13. Hear now, house of David. This is God speaking through Isaiah. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God? Verse 14. Now, look, remember he asked, High, lowest depths, highest heights. I'll give, I'll give you whatever sign you need. All right? I don't want a sign. That's what he said. So therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now hang on, hang on. Because, see, we read this as virgin, but the word doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means a young woman of marriageable age, which in those days meant a virgin. But the thing is, it could be any young woman of marriageable age. And so, lowest depths, highest heights, I mean, he could do anything. What he does, he, he, does, he says, a young woman's going to get pregnant. Well, that happens like all the time. And you call him Emmanuel. He has a name, Yeah. The name is not explained right here. They know, what the, they know what it means, but they wouldn't think about it, yeah? So it's just, what, a child will be born? Oh, okay, whatever. Verse 16, before that boy knows how to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So, soon, that's what it sounds like to him. 17, the Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. You're worried about the wrong kings. You're worried about the wrong problem. And I'm telling you, here's a sign. A young woman will have a child and call him Emmanuel. Chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord said to me, that's to Isaiah, take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, which means quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. What's he talking about? Assyria is quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. And I will call on Uriah the priest and Zechariah son of Jeberechiah as reliable witnesses for me. Verse 3. I made love to the prophetess. What does that mean? Well, she was a young woman of marriageable age. And probably at the time that Isaiah was given the word, not married to the, to the prophet Isaiah. Now she is his wife. And it says, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. Sounds like what they were talking about. And the Lord said to me, name him 
Maher shalal hashbaz, quick to the plunders, swift to the spoil. It's a word of judgment against Israel and against Judah for teaming up with Assyria. For before the boy knows how to say, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the plunder of Samaria will be carried off to the king of Assyria. Okay, getting confused yet? Hey, what's this got to do with Jesus, right? Okay, that was, that's really the big question. What does this have to do with Jesus? The Lord spoke to me again and says, because this people has rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloah, Remember John chapter 9. There is a man who is blind, and Jesus smears some mud on his eyes and says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay, he went and he washed and he saw. Siloam is the same place as Shiloah. Sometimes it's called Shelah. They have different names for the same places, right? So just thinking in the future, so those gentle waters that would eventually one day bring healing to a man, you've rejected that. Instead, You've chosen the king of Aram. You're afraid of him. Verse 7, Therefore the Lord is about to bring against them, against you, Israel, Judah, the mighty floodwaters of the Euphrates, which is where the king of Assyria hung out in Nineveh. The king of Assyria with all his pomp will, with all his pomp will overflow its challenge or channel, channels, run over all its banks, sweep onto, into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, reaching up to the neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land. Oh, what's the word? Emmanuel. So, Maher Shalal Hashbaz may have been conceived by a young woman, but I don't think that's the one that is Emmanuel. Something bigger here. This Emmanuel is bigger than that. Verse 9. Raise the war cry, you nations, not just Assyria, but all nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant lands, prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, it will not stand. And let's all say it together, for God is with us. Let's say it again. For God is with us. One more time. For God is with us. Listen. That was 700 years ago, but listen, brothers and sisters, whatever's coming against you, whatever stronghold, whatever power, whatever, listen, God is with us. Therefore, we must not be like King Ahaz, choosing our alliances with wrong people, choosing our alliances with wrong things, wrong messages. We'll see later. He consults medium and spiritist. Not doing that. We have a God, yes? We must choose him. And if we choose him, he will be with us. Amen? It's the same message that we all hear in the midst of our messes, but sometimes we don't choose it. Right? Now, what's really crazy about all this is this very, very wicked man, Ahaz, a man so wicked that he sent at least one son and had him burned in a fire as an offering to a false god. Yeah? Wow. I mean, that's incredibly wicked. In fact, God says of such things, it never entered my mind that you would do that. It's so completely foreign to everything I am. Wow. He still has this message 
for them. But that man, that wicked man, had a son who somehow or other got hold of this message and turned his life over to God. His name was Hezekiah. So when you read this little passage here at the, uh, that we just read, prepare for war, it'll all be, it'll all be thwarted, You're, it will not stand, for God is with us. There was a man at that time, a son, born to Ahaz, who stood against the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, with nothing more than faith in God, and said, Oh God, hear all of his insults to you. Hear what he plans to do to us. We do not have power to stand against him. And Isaiah, the prophet, speaks to to, uh, Hezekiah and says, Don't worry about it. I've got this, Hezekiah, because God is with us. I'm with you. So some people think that Hezekiah is Emmanuel that was prophesied. But the fact is it talked about many nations. And you know what? Hezekiah died, and Hezekiah made mistakes. He was a man just like you and me, just a human being, made mistakes. It's not who Emmanuel is. Verse 11 of chapter 8, this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. Verse 13, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place. For both Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that causes people to stumble. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you remember that out of the the New Testament? A stone that causes people to stumble? Yeah? That's a quotation about Jesus, right? You know that. There's so many. The problem here, when you read Isaiah and all of a sudden you begin to see all these things that are spoken about, you realize, oh my gosh, his whole message is about Jesus. In fact, it might be called not the prophecy of Isaiah, but maybe the gospel according to Isaiah. He is the one you're to fear, a stone that makes them stump fall. Verse 17, Isaiah's response, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob, I will put my trust in him. Listen, if you're at this point in the, in the message right now, it's like, what's this got to do about Jesus? What's this got to do about Christmas? Okay, it's coming. But what does he say? I will wait. 700 years? Okay, I'll wait. What does it take? Because God is what? With us. Let's say it. God is with us. I'll wait. You're with me. I'll wait for you. Okay? Whatever it is you've got planned, I'm waiting. Verse 19. And this speaks to King Ahaz and all the people who turned away from God during that time. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists, which is what Ahaz did, who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God who is with them? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Does that sound familiar? Remember, some ladies walked up to uh, the tomb of Jesus. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. 
He is risen because he's alive. Our God is alive. You don't find him in places of death, right? When people walk in death, Jesus will reach out to them, but he's not walking in death. He's reaching out for those that they may be alive. See, some people can say, well, hey, you know, I did all these bad things, so God's kind of there with me. No, he's not agreeing with you. He's reaching out to you, and that's a big difference. God doesn't save me so I can sin. He saved me because I sin. Amen? Right? He's saving me out of my sin. So why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Verse 20, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If it does not speak according to this word, it has no light of dawn. Listen, everything must be measured by that word, right? This is what Isaiah is teaching us. You're saying, what's this got to do with Christmas? Brothers and sisters, this is everything that Christmas is about. The same God who wrote this word is about to show up in a feeding trough in a little town called Bethlehem, and he is God's gift to us. Amen? Right? It's all about him. Chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, okay, I like that. That means there's a change coming, right? Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Hey, any of you been in distress ever? Okay. Oh, few, only a few people. Okay. Let, let, let me raise both my hands and my feet. Yes, I have been in distress. Some days I am in multiple f- uh, places of distress. If my whole body could be raised, I'd be raising right now. Okay. Been in distress? Yes. Listen, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Does that sound like good news? Amen. In, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor where? Galilee of the nations, or Galilee of the Gentiles, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. Really, Galilee. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Anybody remember Galilee? Okay. Verse 2 of chapter 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. They have seen a great light. They have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now the question is, this isn't just ancient history now, is it? All of the world lives in this situation, in deep darkness, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, I thought about that one day. So, Lord, help me when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And it was like this. John, you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. I am? Yes. You ever thought about it, John? You're going to die. You're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, that means like every day? Yep, every day. Because the reality is that all our lives are very fragile, yes? They're all in, all in his hand. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If we're alive today, we're alive by his grace, by his mercy. Whether we follow him or not, it's his grace and his mercy reaching out to us in our darkness. And he's promising that one day, someday, 
Sometimes in my day, he will bring me that light. Verse 3, you've enlarged the nation, and that is true. Now, this is a point of contention for some people, but I'm going to say it anyway because I don't care. I, I don't, I'm not your pastor. You can kick me out anytime you want to. But um, the fact of the matter is, you know, we have been adopted into the nation of Israel. You know that, right? We're adopted in the nation. doesn't mean that every Jewish person thinks that, that I'm adopted in. It's okay. Jesus invited me, okay? And he adopted me. I need to be very humble about that, very grateful, thankful to the Jewish people for all that they have been through and everything like that. But nevertheless, I'm adopted in, and this is how he is enlarging the nation. There's only about 14, 15 million people, Jewish people in the world today. But if you take all the Christians that are in the world, whew, that's a lot of adopted family right there. About a third, of the, a third of the world claims some form of allegiance to Jesus. The reality is he is enlarging the nation. And with that enlarging of the nation, he's increasing their joy. Now listen, you, I mean, what was Kim's statement today? The word rejoicing is in my mind. Amen? Yes. It's Christmas. There, it should be full of joy. He increases our joy, right? They rejoice before you, Lord, as people rejoice at the harvest. When things are working out and we've done our work and we're reaping the benefit, the fruit of our benefits, that's the kind of joy that we have. Amen? You worked hard. You did the right things. There was problems. There was distress. But the harvest comes and, hey, We've achieved it. We've arrived. It's an amazing feeling, yeah? Yeah, some of us, we've been so removed from the harvest, we don't understand the joy. One friend of mine said that. In a farming community, when it's harvest time, everybody is a harvester. Everybody. Everybody is responsible for bringing that harvest in. And when the harvest happens, everybody rejoices. Amen? They, are, they all work together. That sounds good, doesn't it? All right. Verse 6. And now we have the full revelation of who the virgin son, the virgin-born son named Emmanuel is. Verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. No more wicked King Ahaz. No more Uzziah starting off good and ending up bad. No more Hezekiah, great man though he was, making mistakes even in the midst of his greatness. We're going to have a king and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. You know, in King James, they have that separated, wonderful. He will be called wonderful, and then counselor separated, right? And the reason is because they're looking back to that time when uh, Samson was being born, and Samson's father met with what he thought was the angel and said, tell me your name. And that being said, why do you want, my, why, why do you want to know my name? It is wonderful, <clears throat> It's beyond comprehension. The word means miraculous. My name is 
miraculous. Just think about that for a second. Whatever that name is, it's miraculous. Brothers and sisters, I want to know that name. How about you? I want to know that miraculous name. That name that I can call on no matter what. And it has power just in the speaking of it, yeah? I want to know that name. He is a wonderful, miraculous counselor. He is the mighty God. Nope, Maharshalal Hashbaz doesn't qualify. Nope, Hezekiah doesn't qualify. Whoever this one is, is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. And you're saying, Jesus isn't the Father. Huh? Remember? Last Supper, they're gathered around, and Jesus says, I'm, I'm showing you the way to the Father. And Philip says, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus says, Philip, if you've been around me this long and you don't know who I am, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because everything the Father is, thinks, does, is in me. I am your everlasting Father. Jesus is not discounting the Father. No way. He honors the Father. But how do we know the Father? Through who Jesus is. If you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. That is how God is. That is how the Father is. Some people terrified of God. Listen, Jesus talked with anybody, right? Jesus hung out with anybody. He didn't care how sinful you were. He didn't care how messed up you were. He didn't care about your past because he's your everlasting father. Amen? Right? And he is your prince of peace. Today is uh, the candle of peace, right? We serve the prince of peace. Of Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on, back then, to today and forevermore. Amen? See, every one of the kings, even King, king David, great king, right? Messed up, but okay. But a great king. But King David is dead. There's, in Psalm 146, it says, Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit dis- departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. They're done. King David is dead, at least in this world. But Jesus is alive right now. He's alive right now. He's in this place. How do I know that? Jesus said, Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. He's here with us. Hopefully the words I'm speaking are from him, yeah? Okay. Hopefully the words that you're hearing and the mistakes I'm making are getting filtered out by the Spirit so that you're just getting the words of Jesus, right? Yeah? Yeah. No end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, let's go back to Matthew chapter 1, 18. Or, well, that's not where I want to go. I want to go a little bit further than that. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin 
Mary, will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him what? Which means what? And what do we call him? Jesus. That was, that is, that miraculous name. There's an old song, there is power in the name of Jesus. Remember? Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name is might. Jesus, your name, unlike any other. Jesus, your name is life. So, what name do we call on? What is that miraculous name? Who is that miraculous child in that feeding trough? Who does he represent? Who is he here for? He's here for us. So, what's this got to do with Christmas? Everything, right? Without him, there is no Christmas. There's no Christ coming. He's the one who is here for us. He is, again, in, uh, <clears throat> in Isaiah chapter 9, he is our miraculous counselor. He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting father. He is our prince of peace. That's who's in that manger. Okay? Really hard to understand. Really messed up world that he came into. Really messed up world right now. Okay? Don't look for other people. Don't look for other kings. Don't look for other sources. Go to him. Yeah. It agrees with this word, right? If it's in here, it has the light of dawn. The band's going to come up here in, for a time of reflection. So this morning, let's reflect. Where are you today? What are you trusting in? If by any chance you're here this morning and you have not put your faith in Jesus, then my, my invitation to you to this morning is just call on his name. It is a miraculous name. Lord Jesus, you could say it like this. Lord Jesus, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. Please. I need that. I had a time in my own life where I had to say something like that, and he became real. It was a period of six months. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever gone through. He will do that for you. He will speak to you. Be, be prepared for him to speak. If, you're, if you've been at this for a long time, hey, me, almost 40 years now, a Christian, you know, having intentionally chosen Jesus, I get down. I get discouraged. Yeah, how about you? Right? It's the same name. Hasn't changed. Same miraculous power. He's still available. Call on his name. We have some uh, friends that are on the sides of the church here that are willing to pray for you if you want to pray, someone to pray for you personally, one-on-one. If you want to just pray by yourself with nobody around, then the front of the church is, is up here so that you can just pray and talk to God. He hears you. He hears you. You can be in your seats. You can be on your way home. You can be driving your car. Just don't close your eyes when you're praying when you're driving your car. But call on his name. He's God with us, but he's God with you. He's God on your side. He loves you. He is, he is not afraid of your mess. He was willing to take on the king of Assyria. 
He was willing to take on all of Rome, the Pharisees and the tax collectors and the sinners. He's not afraid at all. And he, he's alive and powerful right now and wants to be with you. Amen. Let's take some time and, and call on his name. Amen. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on your shoulders, Lord Jesus. And we call you our miraculous counselor. We call you our mighty God. We call you our everlasting father. We call you our prince of peace. But more important than all of that, Lord, we call you Jesus because you save us from our sins. Amen, Lord Jesus. Save us from our sins. You are God with us, saving us from our sins. Amen. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you do. Amen. Thank you.